0: <laughs> hey guys, how y'all doing? It's Chappie here. I tell you, it's my favorite night of the week, Thursday nights. That means we get to talk baseball, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8, brought to you on draft for upside via iLogic Media. Make sure to go ahead and like and subscribe if you like what you're hearing. Uh, got a lot of great content on this channel and it's building by the day. So be sure and support our uh your fellow podcasters. But tonight tonight we're going to talk about an absolutely loaded position and that's middle infield. Um you know, it, it's interesting. You kind of get a um you kind of get mixed emotions, mixed mixed opinions when uh when discussing especially the the second base position. Um I for one feel like it's deep. Um uh, but there are no doubt about it. No shortage of players to target, um, both early, middle, and late um, in in this in this draft. So, with without further ado, this is going to be a jam packed session um, because there's just a lot to discuss here. But but I think first off, you kind of have to start to nail down approach. And approach here at second short <laughs> for me is is very much you have to chart your course. You can't go in blind. You have to make a list and you have to have a, a set game plan heading in to your um, to your draft because you, you could very, end up, very well end up not thinking about it holistically and just drafting the wrong fit for your team. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, the, the, the first thing I want to talk about is, is, and I've talked about it a little bit more in weeks past, but I mm-hmm. think it's important to revisit. Um, the importance of understanding where the breakdowns on counting stats come from in terms of um uh, fantasy baseball and how it breaks down so how i kind of look at it is you have the outfield you have the the infield broken up to, into corner and middle on the corner you usually have your power and your home and your rbi guys in the middle you really want to try and hone in on getting some speed and. You could do that one of two ways. You could do it late. You can do it with cheap guys. But those cheap guys are going to give you a lot of empty holes when it comes to your counting stats. What I mean by that, they're not going to give you any home runs, most likely. They're not going to give you much of a batting average. There's going to be a big miss in either runs or RBIs because of where they hit in um, in the lineup. So these are the sort of things that might kind of seem a little bit trivial but really are important when you're you're thinking about how you want to approach your draft. So I've said this for the past couple weeks. I'll say it again this week. Uh, If if you're starting nuts and bolts, your draft strategy, you have to start here at the middle infield position because the players at the top of this position offer a skill set that quite honestly aren't offered anywhere else in the sport outside of the top three or four outfielders. So, uh you know, I talked a lot last week, and I won't spend much time on them this week I talked about I talked about Tatis, I talked about Turner, and I talked about story. All three of those guys are very valuable pieces, and if you get a chance to to buy them, you should. I said last week that I think that um, Tatis is overvalued at. Two or three, I felt like Story and um, Turner were undervalued at eight and 12. So, when, a, and of course, a lot of that's predicated too off of where you pick, where you pick in the draft. My point was last week, it is again this week, it doesn't matter where you're picking, you can attack this position and you should early on. So, what's tonight, I kind of went from a little bit different angle. Um, I, I I wanted to talk about um, a lot of the second base position, and and basically how so the importance of setting up your teams, right? And, and we'll come back. So so last week we talked about like I said story. Um, Turner and, and Tatis. I won't spend very, very little time on them tonight. What I will spend time on is that next layer of guys at the shortstop position. We'll come to them a little bit later. But tonight, I felt like it's really important establishing tiers at the second base position. I say that because I always say, I always tell people, make your own lists because a lot of people, even just by making your own list, you're ahead of the game. Because a lot of people are just going to go off of a magazine and whatever, wherever it falls, it falls. They're not going to put much thought into it. If you make your own list, you know who you like, and you at least have an idea in your mind as to why you put them there. So I, the importance of doing that is you can really use it to your benefit when drafting. Because if you know that 80% of your league is going to go off of, you of, know, Fantasy Pro's website or Fantasy – whatever – Website. What's up, Rich? Welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Then, if you know what that ADP is, so for instance, say you really like Keston Heyer and you personally value him more so than Whit Merrifield, just as a for instance, you should be, then be confident going up from Keston 72, I think it is. Keston is. 73. You should then feel comfortable going up to where Merrifield sits at 40. I'm not saying you have to go right at 40, right? The point is, if you're sitting there in the fourth round and you think Hiera is a better player than Merrifield, you can sit there and wait until Merrifield gets taken and then take Hiera immediately after. So it's knowing what most of your league is most likely to do and taking advantage of that. Second base is interesting because it almost seems like it, there has to be a certain. Um, you're looking for specific things at second base. Second base in modern baseball has almost kind of come, become one of those positions where there's not a whole lot of stolen bases there. It's become more of a, almost like a third base light, right? You got a lot of power, you got a lot of. Um, uh, RBIs and guys hitting in the middle of the lineup um, in, that, in that second base slot now. It used to be, you know, little guys that could run and, you know, usually hitting the two holes. So they'd hit and run. They'd bunt. They'd work a walk. They'd steal a base. That's very much not what we're talking about with this group. So what you need to try and do with this group in the modern fantasy baseball age is you need to capitalize on as many silos as you can. Offensively, and what I mean by that is, you need to, you need to come in, <laughs> you need to come in and have a clear cut plan on not having big holes at, at, the, at the whether it's batting average or on base percentage or whatever that hitting category is in your league. Um, you need to not have holes at your second or at your um, stolen base category. You need to not have holes at your art runs and RBIs and home runs. Right. So that's how you kind of have to approach it holistically, knowing that when you go into second base, you know that a lot of these players, when we get down further in this lineup, there's a good opportunity for them to give you a really big um, liability in one of those stats that count. Right. So counting stats. That's why I say you have kind of have to attack this list quickly, um, especially when you look at the the, the tiers. And tonight we're going to talk some about tiering, um, and it's important to have that too, right? So, so know at what points in the draft at each of these positions there's a drop off in talent. So I'll give you. So I've kind of done it a little bit differently than I normally have. This is my top tier, but I have it, I have it partitioned out into two guys. There are two tiers. Within the tier, so lower top tier, higher top tier, lower top tier. So the top tier for me, um, there's four players at the top tier of this second base position. We're going to talk about them, and I think if you get any of these four players, you really set yourself up well. I'm talking about DJ Lemayhew and Ozzy Albies sitting in that first tier by themselves, and then the second half of that first tier is Kevin Biggio and Glaber Torres. Now. I'm kind of putting Torres here as a pipe dream. He technically doesn't qualify at second base, but I feel like he fits in really well here because I want to kind of draw some some similarities and some examples as to why you could put him at a middle infield position at sacrifice of second base or yeah, right early on. So in other words, get your shortstop in the first round, come back and get Glaber in the fifth or sixth round. And come back and get your second baseman later so you you have your short and your middle infielders before you have your second base. That's kind of where I'm going with this. So bear with me just a bit as this is going to be a little bit different. Rich, I'm drinking Old Elk. Old Elk is coming from um, my good friends in Mishawaka, Indiana at Citywide Liquor. If you're in Mishawaka, Indiana, stop in and see my buddy Patrick. Citywide Liquor, the place to go when your spirits are low. Old oh, Elk, no. check it out. It's pretty good. It's sweet. Um, so let's talk about these guys individually, right? Let's talk about DJ Lemayhew. His ADP is twenty six point eight. So you're looking at a top of the third round type of guy. Um, I, I, when I do my comps, I always bring it back to a uh, twelve team standard leagues, uh, tw- a twelve team league rather. So when when I say the rounds, always assume that we're talking about a twelve. 12- Twelve twelve team league. Um, so, so LeMahieu at twenty six point eight, a high third round draft pick. I, I feel like it, it's a little tough to um to go that high on a guy who's really not, aside from the average, isn't outstanding with power. He's going to score a bunch of runs, um, but when it really comes down to it, doesn't give you outstanding numbers anywhere outside of of average, right? Uh, But, but the thing about LeMayhew and why, so, so what a scenario where I might take DJ LeMayhew is a scenario where I have to then take a chance on my shortstop and get a guy that maybe might need a little bit of an average boost. Um, You know, and that you could see that happening, right? So you could draft a guy like LeMahieu and put him with an Adalberto Mondesi. That would be a good. So kind of think of these guys and start to pair them together, right? But at 26.8 ADP, you're looking at a third round pick. And quite frankly, um, I, I would rather, if I'm going to take a chance on a third round pick, I would rather have Ozzy Albies. Um, you know, the, the I'll say this. And this was an interesting stat that I came up with about LeMahieu in in 2 years in New York he hit 36 homers and carries a 3.36 average in 7 years in Colorado he has hit he hit 49 homers and had a 3.05 batting average wow right i mean so you're telling me He's getting ready to do in three years power-wise what well, it took him seven years to do in Colorado. In Colorado. So, so just keep that in mind when you're talking about Nolan Arenado, and how his power is going to suffer from leaving. I, I, I don't quite buy that. 30-point <clears throat> in average. Again, 13 homers away in five less years. That's, that's pretty impressive. I like Albies. I don't love Albies. I, excuse me, I like LeMayhew. I don't love LeMayhew. I love Albies. Albies is the guy that to me, this time next year, could very well be a second or third round pick. We haven't seen the best out of Aussie Albies yet. And, and I think it's getting ready to, I think it's getting ready to come this year. This year, guys. So, so why not get in if you are if you are going to um, spend the draft capital this high on a second baseman draft for upside. You see that Cole? You like that, didn't you? Draft for upside. I, I, I mean, I, I say that because you you, you kind of lo- know what Lemay gives you. You don't kind of know. You absolutely know what LeMay gives you. He gives you a lot. I I don't want to sit here and short selling. But what he doesn't give you is the ability to hit 30 homers. Ozzy Albies, at 24 years old, absolutely gives you that opportunity. And I I feel like, again, at 32.8, if you're talking about pure value, give me the upside every time and try and grab that lightning in a bottle. So the worst case scenario, the floor with Albies is a two two eighty two ninety hitter with 25 homers. That's the worst case scenario. But if he has that breakout year, and guys, I've seen this guy in the minor leagues multiple times, so it was pretty clear pretty early on that this guy had – Quite a bit of talent. This guy's a 310, 320 hitter, and he just needs he he's he's maturing right, and he he needs to get to the point where he's comfortable, and, and I think he's there. This is the age where he's there. I love the upside of Albies. and at thirty two, I feel like he's a better value than Lemayhew. Sure, he might not hit for as high as average as LeMay you does, but the home runs, I think, is a safe floor and a higher ceiling coming from all these. Next up, 25-year-old Kevin Biggio, the last guy in this first tier, 65.8 ADP, course, we all know his dad, great Houston Astro. I, the thing about Biggio, you worry about his average a bit. But all in all, Biggio is that rare power-speed combination at this position that enables you to create a mismatch where others aren't able to match that. If you could put – and is going to be playing a third base at you. So they're going to ask him to continue to develop his power. But the stolen base part of Kevin, Kevin is the part that um, most other second basemen can't account for without sacrificing across the board in other areas. He's 159
1: game out. He hasn't played a full season yet. But – 159 games.
0: Sorry, I can't read. So he's played 159 games. He's got a career 240 batting average, 24 homers, and 20 stolen bases. He's got 107 runs, guys. I think the floor is pretty safe for Kevin Biggio. And I think that floor is right around 20 stolen bases. At second base, you take that all day long, because if you look at the other names on this, on this board, they're just not there. So again, talked about Biggio at a sixty. The reason I wanted to bring Glaber in here again, we're talking about the middle infield, right? So I think it's a good time because I, I look at Glaber as a second baseman, and. If if you think about it, he had his best years as a second baseman. I know he's young. He's young. He's just twenty four years old. He's undervalued at sixty five. That's a pretty severe undervalue for for me. We're we're talking about a guy who had a bad hamstring last year. He, he, Yeah, he didn't have the great year. But people forget the statistics that he has been able to put up as a young player. Second player in franchise history, hit at least 30 home runs, and is age 22 season or younger. Joe Nubangio is the only other person to do that. He had 46. Back in 1937. Joe DiMaggio's pretty good company to be in, right?
1: He's got eight. He had eight multi-homer games in 2019. Only
0: five other Yankees have done that. I'm sure you can guess there's some pretty big names there, right? Mickey Mantle in 1961 did that. A Rod 27 or 27 did that. Babe Ruth in 1927 did it. He hit 13 homers in 66
1: at bats against the Orioles.
0: Only the second player in franchise history to do that, the only other person to do that, is Joe DiMaggio. That's multi-homer games across five, excuse me, five multi-homer games. So he's got pretty, pretty impressive power at just 24 years old. In the middle of one of the best bats or lineups in the league, Torres, to me, is an extreme value. And, again, as a sixth rounder, I think 40 homers is a pretty safe floor for him. I could see a scenario where you take two shortstops in the first five, six rounds and come back and get your second baseman later because Glaber Torres has slipped so low. That That's just kind of how I'm approaching it. In other words, if you can't get – you probably don't want to get, in most cases, Lemayhu, Albies, or Biggio. They're probably a little bit too high. I propose that you go Trey Turner, Trevor Story, and Gliber Torres and come back later and get a – I don't know. We'll talk about them later. A lower guy at second base. Let's talk about this second tier. Before we do that, 822, Chaps Fantasy Chat. You can find me on iLogic Media on YouTube. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button so you get all my latest information. You can find me at Chaps Fantasy Chat on Twitter and at Chappies Fantasy Sports Group on Facebook. Make sure you like Draft for Upside. There's a bunch of great content on there. Everything from golf to cooking shows to um, DFS, you name it. Football, baseball, basketball, we have it all. Come back and join us at 10 o'clock tonight. We're going to be talking about some bubble teams. Me and RC, the other angle with Chappie and RC. Of course, you can find all of this on iLogic Media. Really up and coming um, group of guys. So make sure you like and subscribe to
1: that. Keston Hiura. Now I'll say this: this has to be a fluid list. I like Whit Merrifield better than
0: Keston Hiura, by a scotch. But when I first wrote this, I had Keston above him, so so we'll take him first. You, you have to be able to be adjust to, to to adjust to this stuff as you're doing your research. You have to be honest with yourself. At least I try to be. Mountaineers are on in the background, by the way. It looks like they're up 10 against TCU tonight. Kess it's a good value at ADP 73. Yeah, he had a bad year last year, 212.
1: But all that said, he hit 19 homers and 303 as a 22-year-old rookie.
0: He had an off year last year. He struggles defensively. They brought in Colton Wong because of that. Hier will just have to play first base this year. And as a former first baseman, I don't I don't discount that, right? But I, I feel like getting him in a solidified position where he he just has to worry about what he has to do catching the ball when they throw it over to him and then go hit. It'll allow him to hit for power. It'll allow him to um, take a lot of pressure off of himself at the plate. I look for really big things out of Keston Hyera Again, at 24 years old, I view him very similar, very similar to Glaber Torres. So, guys, I'll ask you this, the guys that are out there. Glaber Torres or Keston Hiera, who do you prefer? 73 for Hiera? And Torres is at 65.65.8. Who's your choice there? Who do you take? I I mean, I take Gliber, but I feel like her is going to have, at Miller Park, he's going to have a really big year, guys. So if he maintains his pace.
1: Sorry, I want to get this right.
0: 143 major league or games. That's all he's had. Okay. If if he maintains his pace over the course of the past two years, he's on a 36 home run pace. That's big. I mean, that's your that's that's first baseman power right there. And he he has the potential to hit plus 300. Those are the types of stats that you're looking for, because listen, quite honestly, there there aren't that many of them at this position. So, so at seventy-three ADP, you t- you're telling me I can get a thirty homer, three hundred hitter, who's also eligible at second base and first base. Sign me up, guys! Every time. Because if he's eligible at second, first base, he's also eligible at middle and corner. Position flexibility is plus here. His profile's just different enough. He's got plus, plus power where some of these other second basemen, he can hit you 40 homers. That's big at second base. And hit you 300. That puts him in another category. That's why I put him ahead of Whit Merrifield initially. I reserve the right to change my mind. I'm changing it right now.
1: Whitley Merrifield.
0: 32 years old. 40 is the ADP. So you're talking about fairly significantly more draft capital that you're having to put into Whit Merrifield, which is what I was thinking initially when I put him below Ira but if you look at what he's done
1: he's been a solid contributor at the top of this lineup
0: he's flexible he's able to play in the outfield and at second base if you're in a league he's eligible at, at center and at right field if you're in a league that uh, plays positions which I am so so that enables you to play him in you know at two positions out in the outfield and he's been really productive. He's been really consistent. And this team has gotten better, right? So so you look at the additions of what the Royals have done. They've added Andrew Benatendi. They've added Carlos Santana. So let's think about that.
1: Does Merrifield
0: become more of a second baseman this year? With the addition of of Benatendi, I, I I feel like maybe they're realizing Nikki Lopez is maybe not the answer. <coughs> it, here's here's the thing about Merrifield outside outside of um, Biggio, who by the way has a lower ADP than Whit Merrifield.
1: You'll notice I have him a tier higher.
0: Just want to put that out there. And again, the more I did research on, on Merrifield, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. His stolen bases are there. He had 12 stolen bases last year in 60 games. That's thirty six ish stolen bases. That that's impressive. That that is something that you know nobody else in this category is going to give you. That's asking a lot. He has done that, right? Uh, he stole forty five in twenty eighteen. He stole thirty four in twenty seventeen. So he's capable of doing it. Could it could it be that? because they've gotten better he all of a sudden becomes more engaged and starts to try and run more i don't know i i don't know i don't know the answer to that but what i do know is that this guy's been as consistent
1: as anyone in the game and
0: if 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 he stays healthy he gives you a certain set of numbers that other other folks in this category, especially at second base, just don't give you. So f- I have stock up beside him, meaning I, I initially put him too low. So 40 p you're talking about a fourth-round pick. Probably worth it for this type of profile. Kettle Morte. 27 years old. Again, stock down. I actually will put Altuve in front of him. I put Mustakas in front of him. Heck, I might even put McNeil and uh, Low in front of him. I, I really am low on this guy. But again, you kind of want to let the ADP be the guide rails. No sense jumping a guy like this. You want to rank him low enough that you don't get stuck with the decision on draft day. Do I have to take this guy? Right? So for me, his ADP is 73. I'll probably go ahead and move him down around 100 personally because I feel like with me, he's, he's already lost the stolen base portion of his game. 27 years old. So it's not like – it's not out of the realm of possibility – For him to not steal bases. I, I mean, it's just not. Is it likely? I would say no. Now. The 32 homers from 2019. They're starting to feel more and more like an outlier to me. Like an anomaly. Like a white whale.
1: So. If his if his homers are gone and his stolen bases are gone, is he really worth a 72 ADP? A seventh-round pick?
0: I think it's a big ask, especially on a team that's not going to be very good. I'm not drafting Kettle Marte, guys. I'm not doing
1: it. On the other side of this,
0: I'm going to draft Jose Altuve. If I get a chance to draft Altuve, better believe I'm going to take that. Because currently, Altuve is going at an ADP of 92. I've said it all along. I take these Astros on a case-by-case basis. Some of these guys... I, I feel like directly um, benefited from cheating. Other other guys maybe benefited a little bit, but not enough to um, truly sway you. And then other guys didn't benefit at all, right? I, I feel like, so for instance, <laughs> Altuve, I feel like definitely benefited some. <clears throat> but I feel like this guy's got a track record. I mean, it's not like th- this guy's got. He, it's not like they've done that. They've, it's not like they've they've cheated for his entire ten year tenure. It just didn't
1: happen. I get that people dislike him. I'm taking advantage of that, guys.
0: I'm taking advantage of that for two reasons. Well, for three reasons. The third one's the important. First reason. Career 311 hitter. 361 OBP over 10 years. Those are significant numbers.
1: Significant numbers.
0: That tells me it's been repeatable. Yes, he may have benefited. People might not like him because of it. Take that out on Bregman. Take that out on Springer. I hate talking about this. I hate talking about that. But I feel like people are undervaluing Altuve because of this, and I feel like I have to champion him here a little bit.
1: He had a bad year last year.
0: People want to talk about it's directly due to COVID. And, yeah, that might have had something to do with it. But what I found out last night when I was researching this, and I don't know how widely known this is. I kind of have a feeling that it's not. Atufi lost two family members last year. And he, he asked the media not to discuss it. He wanted to keep it private. He wanted to keep it to himself. We still don't know who the family members are and what the circumstance, And that's fine. But maybe there was something a little bit more important than baseball going on in Altuve's life last year that caused him to have that bad, bad season.
1: Here's the good news.
0: Coming into this year, all reports are he's back to his old self. He's smiling. He's having a good time. He's determined to show people that last year isn't the player that he is.
1: The third point, and the most important point to me, George Springer signed with The Toronto Blue Jays.
0: Newsflash. (laughs) That's significant for Jose Altuve. Because
1: the leadoff position is now wide open. Who do you think they're going to put at that leadoff position?
0: It's Jose, Jose Altuve. If Jose Altuve can return to the point where he is running, he all of a sudden becomes a first-round pick again.
1: You're talking about a guy that you can get in the ninth round who over a 10-year career already is chalked up Four thirty 30 stolen base seasons and a 50 stolen base season. Six 30 stolen base seasons. Yes, his numbers have been down over the past couple of years. Six in 2019
0: wasn't great. He was dealing with some injuries, though. I feel like Altuve is going to come back and steal at the top of that lineup a ton of bases.
1: If he does that,
0: if Altuve rolls off, a say, a 25 stolen base season, hits 310, scores 100 runs, where do you have him? What is he worth? At second base, mind you, that's supposedly talent starved. You're getting him in the ninth round, guys.
1: That's value. None of these things, he's 31 years old. That's not old,
0: he's motivated. I love what Altuve brings to the table, and I feel like he's a tremendous value. Mike Mustakas. ADP is one twenty, and again, so we're kind of starting to jump around this ADP a lot, right? Hiera, seventy three, Merrifield forty, Marte seventy three, Altuve ninety two, Mustakas one twenty two. That's okay. Who do you like? I like Mike Moustakis. He's the last guy in this first tier of the two, right? So, like I said, we kind of split them up within those tiers. That gives us – for comparison's sake, right? Mike Moustakis is – really being undervalued given that he's he's just thirty-two years old so so he's not old by any stretch of the imagination he's playing in the if not the best ballpark if not the best ballpark not named course field the second I'd say Small Park and Miller Field are the two best hitting environments outside of Coors Field in the major leagues. I might be missing somebody. I don't mean any disrespect to And then you're looking at a situation where he's got guys around him that protect him, even given their cut down in spending. Nick Cassianos is there. Joey Vado is still there. Jueno Suarez is there. Nick Senzo is there. Point. It's a good opportunity for him to drive in runs with those home runs. Sure. You want more out of your average from your second baseman. But I was listening to uh, CBS Sports this morning. I think that's who it was. And they were talking about – who the heck were they talking about? Totally lost my train of thought. I'll move on. Mike Moustakis is a career two fifty one hitter. Yes, he had. He hit two thirty last year. His OPP was three thirty one. You're talking about a guy who hit thirty home runs in two of his last three full seasons. That third season, he hit twenty eight. He had eight homers last year, so a little bit of a down year from that perspective. But you got to have to think he's a shoe in for 30 hitting in that lineup with the protection around him that he has. Brandon Lau, 26 years old. ADP is 67. You'll notice again. I've got Moustakas over Lau. To me, Brandon Lau and Jeff McNeil are the same player. Lau at 67, McNeil at 91. I like both of them. I feel like they're both a touch overvalued for what they give you in return. I won't spend too much time here because I feel like there's other places where I can spend my time valuably. Um, if I'm gonna have to be forced to choose between the two, I'm taking Lau. Excuse me. I'm taking taking McNeil because his ADP is lower. I like both of these players. I don't love them, especially what their ceilings give you. You're talking about two seventy, two eighty. You're talking about around twenty five homers, and you're talking about around ten steals max for both of these players. That's not worth a top – heck, that's not worth a 10th-round pick to me. Who I will take a chance on, personally, at ADP 138, Tommy Edmund. I like Edmund because he has a real opportunity to hit at the top of the Cardinals lineup. He's third-base shortstop outfield eligible. And I got to be honest with you guys. He had a bad year last year from a stolen base perspective. He was 2 for 6 from stolen bases. The year before that, he was 15 of 16. So that's an indicator to me. That's that's not the real Edmund on the base pass. You don't go from 15 of 16 to 2 of 6. You just don't. Unless you're hurt. Worst case scenario, Edmund's hitting 320 with a 361 OBP versus left-handed hitters.
1: Keep that in mind for...
0: DFS, but I really like, again, at his ADP, you're talking about a 12th rounder. This is an extreme value to me. The Cardinals love him. If you're in a daily change league, to me, this is a guy that's gold. I don't think 25 stolen bases is out of the realm of possibility, You're looking at around a 280 hitter, and if he hits in the top of the lineup, even part-time, you might be looking at 70 or 80 runs easily. I want to move over. I know it's getting late. I got to jump off here at 9. Please come back at 10 o'clock. We got some great college basketball to talk about. The other angle, Champion and RC. Like and subscribe. iLogic Media. Chaps Fantasy Chat, draft for upside a lot of great content on draft for upside Support all the great podcasters that we have. (laughs) Going to talk about Ben Roethlisberger a little bit. My buddy Just texted me asking about it. Check out all the great resources we have, guys. We're up and coming. Like I said, going to spend just a few minutes at shortstop. I think it's important, though. Last week, I talked extensively about Tatis. Turner, and Story. All three of those guys are first-round picks. The next tier to me, though, is, is even more interesting. And, you know, within this tier, I'll give it to you the way I have it currently. Bo Bichette, number four, so ADP 24.8. Bogert's at five at 29.2. Lindor at six at 16. Again, the importance of making your own list. Seeger at seven. and Torres. Again, I've talked about them already. I won't spend time on them here. Long story short, Turner's overvalued, or excuse me, Turner's undervalued stories, undervalued, Tatis is overvalued. Personal opinion. To me, this time next year, we could be talking about who's the better franchise shortstop. Fernando Test, he's Junior or Bobachette. We haven't seen the best of Bobachet. Bobachette throughout the career has always chased Vlad Jr. And he's been fine with that. He's actually liked that. He's loved having that to look up to, to look to drive him. Make no mistake, I've said this now for the better part of two years, Bo Bichette is the face of the Blue Jays organization, period. Not George Springer, not Lourdes Gurriel, not Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette. 24.8, you're talking about top of the third round. I'll say it again. I'll say it slowly. This time next year, we are going to be talking about who the better shortstop is: Bo Bichette or Fernando Tatis. You do the math. Tatis going at three, or Bichette going at twenty-four. Yes, he's still a high draft pick. If you have to spend a second-round pick on Bo Bichette, you should do it. You're talking about a plus three hundred hitter. You're talking about a 30 homer guy and you're talking about a 20 steal guy. Let's talk, let's break down last year's stats. He pulled his hamstring, which would greatly affect a lot of things as a baseball player. From games one through his first 14 games, excuse me, 14 and 15 is what he played. He was hitting three, six, one. He had a 391 OPP. He was slugging 672. Five homers and 13 RBIs projects out to 58 and 151 before he pulled his hamstring. After he pulled his hamstring, he hit 242. Zip homers in 15 games. And 10 RBIs. Mind you, that's still 108 RBIs.
1: Projected out. His two-year... So... per Given
0: the injury. Given that distinct... Bracket that you could put aside as this is a direct cause of an injury. He still
1: is averaging 311 for the his career. Per 162,
0: you're looking at a 307 hitter with 35 homers and 17 stolen bases. That's just what he's averaging, given that two-week clip. Again, you're talking about...
1: I don't have it in front of you. You're, you're talking about not even a full season yet, okay?
0: Boba an absolute buy, and he's an absolute steal. I think you guys are kind of getting my gist here. You got to go middle infield heavy here, and you ha- you kind of have to be tactical. Am I saying you should target target Trevor Story and Boba Absolutely. If you got to spend your first and third round pick on these two, first and second round pick on these two players, why the heck would you do it?
1: Love Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts is
0: extremely underrated. Love him in that revamped offense. Love his role there. Frankie Lindor is overvalued. I love him. I think he's, you know, an exceptional talent. 16 to me is still just a touch too high. Give him a lot of variables, right? Corey Seager the one I feel like I can't get away with without talking about him. Much the same as – so so I'll pivot
1: just a little bit. Trey Turner is so valuable because of his stolen bases. If you ask me Trevor Story
0: or Corey Seager, I will answer Corey Seager every single time. So why not Boba Corey Seager? You're missing a little bit of stolen bases. Because Seager's not going to score you that many, or steal you that many. But
1: what Seager brings is a type
0: of power that really, outside of Trevor's story, you're not going to find at in this position.
1: And you're getting it two rounds later. Corey Seager this time next year might be a
0: first-round pick. People forget before he got injured towards the ACL. I, I think he was a first-round pick.
1: Hit 40 doubles as a rookie, 22 years old. Had 44 doubles last year. Led the league. Make no mistake about it, Corey Seager is one of the steals of this draft. I'm
0: sitting here telling you, Bichette, Seager, second, third round. Build your draft around it. That's what I'm planning on doing. And I know all these suckers in my league listen to me, so hopefully I get one of them. <laughs> <coughs> This second tier is littered with talent. Tim Anderson, to me, seems like the clear-cut favorite among this second tier, though. The other guys have some pretty big holes, question marks, if you will. Anderson at 47. Correa, to me, at 121, has a lot of potential. As does Baez at 73. Semien at 137.
1: Marte and more and Edmund rather
0: talked about a little bit. I have Adalberto Mondesi all the way down here, and I think it's important to take note because the the reason yes, Mondesi gives you great stolen bases, and there certainly seems to be a lot of potential there. But the thing that scares me about Adalberto Mondesi is he will not walk. He's got 25 walks in the last two years. 25. If you don't work a walk, I don't care how fast you are, you're not going to hit leadoff. And if you're not hitting leadoff, that's going to affect a whole bunch of other things, including your stolen bases.
1: Um, I'm steering well clear of Montezzi,
0: especially at 33. Give me Bouchette all day, every day. The one other guy, last guy I want to talk about. I'm gonna wrap this up and get off of here. Come back and join me at 10 o'clock. The other angle, Champion RC. We're gonna talk a ton of college basketball. We're gonna finish up. We're gonna talk about some middle infield too. Because I always feel like it's fun to reflect after you do this. Um, what did you miss? What you know, what points do you want to drive home? So so make sure if you enjoyed this content, please hit like, subscribe, iLogic Media, Draft for Upside,
1: Chaps Fantasy Chat, Twitter, Facebook, come find me. I want to talk about. Jamesby Swanson,
0: the last guy I'm going to talk about. To me, Swanson is a poor man's Corey Seager. He had his breakout year last year. He had 274 with 10 homers and five stolen bases. That projects out to 28 and 14 over a full season.
1: You're talking about a player you can get
0: four or five rounds later than than, uh, than Seeger that can give you comparable stats. I really love what Dansby Swanson brings to the table. You look at that offense, it's comparable to what the Dodgers bring. You, you could see a scenario where Swanson has an even higher average. It's more than 28 homers. I think the stolen bases are kind of capped out. 15 stolen bases, you're happy from Dancy, Dansby Swanson. You're never getting that from Seeger. I feel like 300's maybe the ceiling for Swanson, but I feel like it's not, not attainable for him. 30 homers is absolutely attainable for Dansby Swanson. He profiles that way. Again, at 106, I really like this value here. The only other guy I want to make a quick mention to here who I feel like is in a really good scenario, Paul DeJong, 241 ADP. You're talking about a guy that you could pick up at the back end of your draft who's going to be hitting second for the Cardinals. DeJong brings a profile that, yes, it might be streaky. Yes, there might be periods where he doesn't give you much. He has 40-homer potential in his bat. absolutely. lutely If he hits second, he could score you 80 or 90 runs, and he could also drive in 80 or 90. I think DeJong's very underrated at 241. Jorge Polanco. Transitioning to second base, Angelton Simmons takes over at shortstop. He had a bad year last year. You're talking about a guy at 223. You can absolutely grab Willie Castro 302. Love that value. You're talking about a third base shortstop. He doesn't play a lick of defense, but we don't care in fantasy. He hits the ball, and he's going to play in Detroit. 302 for Willie Castro. Kevin Newman is a freebie. A freebie. He's one year removed from being a 300 hitter for the Pirates. 12 and 16. In 130 games. Fell flat last year. Quite honestly, the entire Pirate organization did. That's okay. The positive about Newman is, Newman. The positive about Newman is he's going to be pushed by O'Neill Cruz, who the Pirates are going to want to get a look at. So if Cruz starts out and he plays well in the minors, Newman is directly on the hot seat. The good news for Newman is he could play second base, he could play the outfield. But look for him to be a little extra motivated this year. And let's be honest. An infield of Cabrian Hayes, O'Neal Cruz, Kevin Newman, and Colin Moran. It's too shabby. Everybody loves to talk bad about the Pirates. I know I'm wearing their hat. I'm actually a Cubs fan. If they can get anything out of their outfield, I think they're going to be better than people think. So, Anyway, come back and join me at 10. We're going to be talking some college basketball. We're putting a bow on some draft strategy. We're going to talk auction strategy at 10 o'clock. So, the other angle with Champion RC, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Draft for Upsides, the group. iLogic Media is where you find us. Like and subscribe, please. Post questions, comments, Twitter, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Chaps Fantasy Sports Group on Facebook. Appreciate the support. Hope you like the content. I'll see you all in an hour. I'm going to go eat some pizza. Later, guys. Take care.
1: Thanks.